0: Hi, you're listening to Coldody Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at coldody.org, or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com/forward/slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. So, Father, we just thank you so much for what you've done uh, in our lives. To bring us to you, and what you're doing right now in the in our country, Lord, that there's hope for our country. I don't believe in a in there, that there's no hope for our country. I don't believe in a dismal outlook about anything because the worst that could happen is we go home to be with you, and you when you return, and the, you know any there's no there's always going to be hope uh, for everyone, and so we just thank you, Lord, that revival is possible even in our country, Lord, and and that you're doing it, and you're showing it, that it can take place, Lord. And that doesn't mean there won't be persecution. Uh, There will be, uh, but there also can be revival. And we just thank you so much, Lord. So prepare us, Lord, to join you in what you're doing in the land, here and in Israel and throughout the world. In Yeshua's name, Amen, Amen. But here are some of the critical points that we can take from the story of Esther, the book of Esther. How many have read the book of Esther? Uh, it's amazing. such an, I, never, I never tire every year when we go back to reading it. God, I, here's some points I've written down. God has a master plan. God has a master plan. He's always in control. Number two, he wants us to play key roles in the story. He wants you and I in his master plan to play key roles in the story. He doesn't work apart from you and I. He wants us to be a real part of it. You know, we're laborers together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.9 6, and 6, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says we're laborers together with God, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Oh, God's building a house. Oh, there's builders who build it with God. Oh, yes. It's all, he does it with us. He wants us to work with him. So he wants us to play key roles in the story. Number three, he has a great sense of humor. And boy, you can't read the book of Esther and not see God has a great sense of humor. I don't understand how many Christians don't have senses of humor. They just, and Jewish people have survived the centuries through humor, because it's, you know, there were were stories in the Holocaust, you know, of people that would just get together and look for something, find in the horrible, in the concentration camps, talk about something, try to find something humorous that happened just to survive each day. You know, um, obviously survive different ways, but Humor is so important. And God has it. And you see it here in the things that happen. You say, oh my gosh, God, you have a great sense of humor. Number four, we have a window of opportunity. We have a window of opportunity. We don't have forever, right? We don't have forever. There's a window, a window of opportunity. And then that door closes. That window shuts, you know? There's a window of opportunity. And you've got to take that opportunity. Because it will shut. Number five, don't evaluate and draw conclusions by what it looks like now. Sometimes you look at your situation, look at things, and it just say, ah, oh, this is it. It's over. It's not over. Don't draw conclusions and don't evaluate by what everything looks like now. Because there's more. It's not finished yet. It's not finished it's not over yet and the last one is that I wrote down is the best is yet to come the best is yet to come with God it really is you know don't you like that old saying I read the back of the book and we win you know I mean the best is really yet to come I love God's hidden hand God's hidden hand his hand he's moving things around like a master chess player, the queen's gambit, if you will, maneuvering situations to prepare for a later advantage and win. That's what's happening throughout the book of Esther. It's such an intense drama of a series of unfolding events, a tension of highs and lows, of desperation and relief Yet somehow knowing that behind all of it is an unseen hand and an unmentioned mastermind. Because God's name is never mentioned, remember. God is not mentioned, His name is not mentioned throughout the book. And we feel sometimes like a yo yo, you know, like jerked up and down or back and forth. Like it's over. Oh, wait, no, it's not over. Oh, it's over. No, it's not. Oh, you know, back and forth. And that's, what, that's part of the drama. There's an old Yiddish proverb. You've heard it before. It goes like this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. I think of two passages of Scripture that especially summarize Purim and the story of the book of Esther. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans... Or the thoughts. The chashvim, I guess, would be, or chashvot. I I don't have the Hebrew here, but... Many of the plans are the thoughts in a man's heart. But Adonai's purpose, that will rise up. Kum in the Hebrew. That will eventually surface and prevail. We can have our plans, but God's plan is what will... And I love this passage, which is one that we're not probably so familiar with, that I found... A couple of years ago, I think, in Job 5, verses 12 through 16, speaks about the Lord who frustrates the plans of the crafty so that their hands attain no success, who catches the clever in their craftiness and thwarts the plan of the cunning. Then it says, but he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth and from the clutches of the mighty. So the helpless have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. Isn't that amazing? Boy, I think that sums up what happened in the book of Esther what ha- and what can happen. I know it happened for us in, our, in some situations in life, and I hope it happens for you, and it will, and it does if you're following the Lord. Let me read it again. He frustrates the plans of the crafty so that their hands attain no success. He catches the clever in their craftiness. This is, of course, the enemies of Israel. This would is what happened. And thwarts the plan of the cunning. But he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth. Because words can destroy and words can save. Sword of their mouth. And from the clutches of the mighty. So the helpless have hope. And injustice shuts its mouth. The events in the Megillah of Esther, the scroll of Esther, occur historically between 400 and 300 BCE, toward the end of the Persian period, some 2,400, 2,500 years ago. Israel's in diaspora, not in her homeland, and when this happened, we were in scattered mode, like we are today, here, if if we're outside of Israel. The Persian Empire of the 4th century BCE extended over 127 lands. The Jews were in all or most of them. Sixty Persian words occur in the scroll. And this is the source for our holiday and story of Purim or Purim. Purim means lots in ancient Persian. Recalling how Haman, Haman drew lots to determine when he would carry out his plot to annihilate all Jews young and old, infants and women, in a single day, according to Esther 3, as it's written, 3.13. But as we know, the plan ultimately completely backfired. Deuteronomy 23.5, God turns the curse into a blessing. The entire story actually covers nine-year span of time. Now, the Dead Sea community does not seem to have observed Purim It's the only biblical book of which no remnant has been found at Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. It's not one of the Moedim of Leviticus 23 or of Exodus 23, which is in this week's parasha, Mishpatim. But it clearly testifies to God's covenant faithfulness to Israel and to his reaching the nations through her, as we just read in Esther eight seventeen we see. eight seventeen Or though God's name, rather, is not even, and even the word God are not mentioned in the entire scroll, he's most certainly prevalent and acting on behalf of his people behind the scenes, hiding, if you will, but visible to the one who has eyes to see. He's totally in charge, and he is always on time. But on his time, not ours. And I guess I'd like to call it HST, Heavenly Standard Time. <laughs> so Esther, the word means can really mean numerically can mean God is hiding. Seter, seter, and an aleph for Esther. Uh, Satar means to protect; it conceals from view or it's hidden. And then the aleph can be the numerical value for one or God. First, in Gematria. Isaiah 45, 15 says, Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, Savior. Uh, you're your God who hides himself. And you're our Savior. So Esther can mean God is hiding. He keeps, in Ephesians 1, 11, and 12, he keeps working out all things according to the purpose, the counsel of his will so that we who are first put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. And if you put those Greek words into Hebrew, this glorious praise would be kavod and Tehilah weight or value and to radiate. God's goal is that we would radiate, that we radiate his value. In other words, God's goal for you and I is, and us, all of us, is that we collectively, that we show the tre- this, his treasure in these earthen vessels, in these jars of clay. That's his goal, that we might show his p- treasure in our earthen vessels, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 7. So, all that he does is for that purpose. He is working out his will all the time behind the scenes, even though we don't realize it. He knew way in advance that we would need Esther in the position that she would get in. He's composing, orchestrating a fantastic symphony, but it's in process. And if you hear any composition, any musical composition, and especially you can imagine a symphony, when it's not finished, what's it sound like? You said, hey, could you play me that now? <laughs> you would hear, oh, my gosh, that sounds horrible, you know? But when it's finished, it's gorgeous. And that's what it is with our lives. So in the first part of this, remember Vashti was the queen and she is in verse 12. She's supposed to come before the king and she refuses to come. In verse 12, I think it is. Yeah, the Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command and he's furious about it. She's supposed to come and to the, at the celebration and I don't know what she was thinking she, because now he's going to pick someone else. She refused to come and because she lost her spot. But God was allowing that. God allowed that so that Esther could be prepared to come. And we see in chapter 2 the introduction of our key characters in the story. Mordecai, yeah. verse 5. Yay, yeah, Mordecai. There's a Jewish man in the Shushan palace who was Mordecai. And and then we see in verse uh, 7, or 6, yeah, 7, he had raised Hadassah, that is Esther. Ah, Esther, ah, yeah, her Hebrew name, Hadassah. So he took her under his wing, you know, and she, he was very kind to do that. And she, he, God had providentially placed two Jews here in this position. Now, Esther's an orphan. It says, en la av she Esther she has neither a father she didn't have a father or a mother and she was basically a supermodel she was like absolutely gorgeous the Hebrew is clear it's yafat ta'er Tova, basically as it has it translated here uh, she was attractive and had a beautiful figure she was absolutely gorgeous stunning. So God is preparing this beautiful orphan girl for a grandiose task that neither she nor her uncle, if we'll call him Uncle Mordecai, were aware of. Question, what is God? What may God be preparing you for even now? doesn't matter what age you are. He's still preparing you for something the next phase. What is he, may he be preparing for you even now? Another question, what is your disadvantage? She's an orphan. She's an orphan. What is your disadvantage or impediment? Will it be, or what is my disadvantage or impediment? Will it be my excuse for failure? Or will it be my incentive for success? Will it be my reason for defeat? Or will it be my motivation for achievement? She is going to be greatly used. And she found favor in verses 8 and 9. And so how many here are Jewish, I wonder? You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here if two things. If number one, Mordecai had just bowed down to honor Haman and hadn't been so stubborn. And number two, if Esther had kept herself comfortable and not interposed herself before the king on behalf of her people. You realize that? If, they had, if these two hadn't done that, we wouldn't be here. So life isn't always easy. And we see that God's going to turn everything around. He's going to end up turning everything around. She pleads for her in identification with her people seven times. My people is mentioned uh, four times, and the Jews are mentioned three times. Seven times she pleads. Prayer, so important. Prayer opens the way. Prayer makes the way. People are praying. doesn't mention prayer, but it's, it's, it's again, God's hidden hand. It's all the, those who have eyes to see recognize that's what's going on and opening the door and the way behind the scenes so that she can get audience with the king and, and everything is opening up. And so it works. Everything is opening up because of prayer that's in the background. And she's the intercessor. She's the inter- interceder and the one who intervenes. Mordecai pushing her along, you know, enc- encouraging her and praying for her. And, uh, and so it's together. It's, not, it's together they do it. You know, I'm not an isolated act, a solo act, and neither are you. We're joined As a people with a purpose, we're a community. We need each other. And God is going to turn everything around ultimately because of the prayer and because of the risk and the sacrifice that they uh, make. The diligence of Mordecai, the courage of Esther, and most of all, the providential, powerful hand of God who reverses all the course of events as you see In chapter 9, the word hafach is used. Let's say hafach, hafach, hafach is the word used twice there. He turns. In verse 1 and verse 22 of chapter 9, he turns their sorrow into joy. And as it turns out, it says, the opposite took place, the opposite took place, all because of this. So, Father, we thank you for this. Book of Esther, for the holiday that's coming up and all that's going to take place and your plan. We thank you, Lord, that you do have a master plan. We thank you that you do want us to play key roles in your story. We thank you that you do have a great sense of humor in it all. And we thank you for the window of opportunity that we have. We thank you, Lord. Help us not to evaluate or draw conclusions by what it looks like now. And we do thank you that because of your hidden hand, the best is yet to come because you are the faithful one. We love you. We praise you. If you've never trusted Yeshua and invited him into your, into your life, do it now. Say, Lord. Have the courage to say, Lord, come into my life. I give you my life. Lord, I want a new start. I want to know you. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start. In Yeshua's name, save me. Trust you. I trust you, Lord. And there will be some folks here. If you're here this morning, someone will pray with you afterwards, after the service. If you're watching online, contact us, and we will contact you back. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you, give you His shalom in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah the ruler of peace. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.